will fix you. Hello and welcome to We Will Fix You, where tonight we will answer a question that puts the horn into thorny dilemma. Yes. Joining me to wrangle these horns, we have Mr. Dave Condry, the fifth forbidden Teletubby. Hey-ho! H.J. Doom, the Minister for Underwear Elastic. And I am Roger Hart, Vice-Chair of the Chairs and Vices Society. You can reach us for advice at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or anonymously at hauntedphonograph.com where there's a little form you can fill in. It's got a button and everything. It's terribly modern. Yes. Our question, less modern, probably, probably quite usual down the ages. My partner possesses a morning libido and I an evening one. This was fine in the early heady days of new romance and near-infinite lob-ons, but is nowadays causing a certain amount of turgid, scheduling conflict-prompted tooth-grinding. Help us, we will fix you, before we burst and become a fine particle mist. Yes. Okay, so you could try an open relationship both get your morning and evening jollies and use those to bookend occasional bouts of faintly re resentful Sunday afternoon fucking. But let's imagine you've explored that and dismissed it as either untenable or a tedious cliché. If not, we have an episode about that. Check the archives, kids. Um, hypothetically, also, you could try communication. That whole talking to each other shtick where you step through it and try to make time for each other and remind yourselves of that whole relationships are work and only happen if you're deliberate about them thing. And that's, that, that's you know, it's, it's piss easy for me to say, but so difficult to actually do that I spend my entire life feeling like my personal life is a trash fire shambles, even when it's pretty functional. So clearly that's not going to work. Let's, let's try something else. So <clears throat> what I'm going to do is make a couple of simplifying assumptions, primarily that the morning-evening, like, sex balance thing is in some way related to your circadian rhythm which is pretty much your body's eternal clock, cycling around in 24-hour phases and controlling sleep and wakefulness. And if it is, we can get in there and biohack your squelchy fun times. Now, our circadian cycle is pretty close to a solar day, probably about 24 hours and 11 minutes, which is, you know, a real evolutionary no-shit moment right there. And it's, it's largely a function of the hypothalamus. Simplistically, takes a, hypothalamus takes a whole bunch of information from around your body, and in this case, critically, light levels and temperature, which it mashes around and squirts out to the pineal gland, which will then belt out some melatonin when it's time for a snooze. I am not your doctor. 
Now, um, more melatonin when it's nighttime, less when it's day. And we know from a butt ton of sleep research that bright light with plenty of intense blue in it as well is, is, is good for waking you the fuck up. Hence, um, season, um, sad, um, seasonal affective disorder uh, lamps, those kind of, kind of intense things that will... It's not just for that, it's also for assisting with natural sleep when it's dark, that they will sort of start slow and brighten up. And again, there's, there's a lot of, of really intense natural light colours in there, which, which help. So what we're going to do is um, take turns tricking your hypothalamus into thinking it's your other half's sexiest time of day. Now, I don't care who goes first or what kind of rotor you build, toss a coin or start with whoever has the weirdest shaped nipples, that's, that's down to you. But when it's time to bump evening uglies, then our morning horn dog is going to fake up a morning vibe. So they'll need to switch on the um, SAD lamp and bump up their body temperature. Clothes tend to help with this, but that's not often super compatible with, with a good deal of sex, so maybe get into leather or something. Failing that, just have a large cup of coffee and turn up the heating. The coffee will perk you up anyway, it'll be fine. And you probably don't want to be that cold for this anyway. Do this, do this a little while before you ideally want to get it all going, as the body clock does need a run-up, and this should pull down your melatonin levels and sort of reduce the eveninginess of the vibe, making you feel a bit more generally morningsome. Conversely, for a, a righteous bout of morning shagging, we need to give our nighttime libidinists some drowsy solace. Um, th this one is much quicker. Like, you could turn down the lights and temperature um, and try and kind of fool your hypothalamus that way, but like, a few hundred melatonin tablets cost less than a fiver. Just, just suck it up. Get them up on Amazon. Neck a couple and you're golden. Melatonin up, evening drowsy vibe ahoy. Libido, hopefully also good. Risks? Yeah, you might nod off, but melatonin isn't, like, it's, we're not talking sleeping pills here. It just sort of puts you, it kicks that cycle around and puts you into a more predisposed space. So you should end up feeling a bit evening-y. Um, and in that way, just with, with, a, with, a, with a minimum of communication or awkward conversations or actual difficult emotional interaction, and by spending, what, like a fiver for some melatonin tablets, a good SAD lamp is... Well, they probably start at about 50 quid and go all the way up, but let's say, let, let, let's say 65 pounds. You can, you can just sort of solve this problem without having to talk about it. Mr. Convery. Have you thought about graphs? Because if you think about it, a normal distribution looks a lot like a little trouser tent or lob on, as you so charmingly phrased it. Um, a sine wave looks like any number of the protrusion of your choice. You just need to, you know, change the y-axis to get slightly different shaped lumps. And I think you'll agree that, that those are both very sexual. Um, but did you know that graphs also serve purposes other than as masturbatory aids? It is true. So what you need to do is get a couple of weeks worth of horn data each you need you need to agree a scale uh say one to ten where one is if you tried it on now i would stab a screwdriver through your wrist and ten is very much the horn um, and you both need to sort of record this on the hour uh every hour that you're awake uh for for a couple of weeks um and eventually we'll graph that data. You want to disregard the data from when you're drunk, because that's not going to be reliable. Uh, and especially when you are 
hungover because the horrible hangover horn is not statistically modelable. It's, it's an agent of pure chaos. So you've got your two weeks worth of data. It's time to make some graphs. Put that stuff in Excel or your you know, spreadsheet software of choice, other, other software is available. Uh, find the highest point where you've both got the sort of positive levels of horn. Um, the negative horn or anti-horn is, is out of scope for this experiment. Uh, if you find an area where there's overlap, that's great. Get some time off work, get there and, and then maybe do some sexy things to raise the horn level to, to, to higher levels. You've got something to work with. Otherwise, find the closest peaks that you could move together. Uh, and Mr. Hart's already talked about this um, with, with his uh, biohacking. Um, but if you find some points that maybe you weren't expecting that were expressed in the data or fluids, um, there are only a few hours apart and don't clash with your jobs. You could work at moving those closer together. You know, you can have a smutty text or a medical intervention, um, whatever works for you and, 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 you know, is suitable for the, uh, uh, for where you find yourself. Don't, you know, take a shitload of Viagra if you're at work. I think that's something that we all can agree on. Don't do that. Um, Something that many of us have, if you will, learned the hard way. And over time, you, you, you will find ways to rewrite your horn system's fundamental rhythms, uh, bringing you further into sync, all thanks to graphs. And I want it on record that I have a, a, I, I'm a biologist. He is. This is legally binding. You have to do this now. He'll draw you a biology graph. Yeah, but it's mine. H.J. Doom. I think this is um, an issue that anyone who's in a long-term relationship, particularly if you're approaching middle age, or indeed slap bang in the middle of middle age, can empathise with. And um, I think my advice will be slightly different from those that, that, that my colleagues have presented. But uh, I want you to know that Dave may be a biologist, but I have not one but two degrees in psychology. So when it comes to messing with your brain, I'm pretty sure I've got the edge. Anyway, um, I think we've, we, we can all see how the situation develops. To begin with, you're young, you're carefree, you're in love, you're prepared to either cram bits of yourself into almost anything or have almost anything cram bits of itself into you but inevitably in a long-term relationship that raging desire to copulate at all costs whenever you're both awake and sober enough tends to gently diminish when a relationship is fresh all it takes to get you both in the mood is the awareness that your bodies can be squashed messily together in order to create a moment of blissful oblivion time though Time is a bitch. It makes it harder and harder to look on each other with anything other than thinly veiled contempt. You are all too aware of the fallible and frangible nature of the human body. Its weird noises, those odd smells, the migration of hair away from some places you enjoy seeing it, to colonise other, worse places where you don't. Not to mention those thousand aches and pains which flare up in moments of studied passion. 
the humps and crevices of flesh that once stimulated desire now serve to summon up only a kind of one resentment, both at the partner but also the indignities of age which stretch, sag, narrow and soften in ways that make you both a mockery, let's be honest, of your once newbar forms. Where you once had your thoughts dwelling on firm, supple flesh, now they're filled with things like parent-teacher evenings, gout medication, the strange rattle coming from the car door, proportional representation, and the awful, soul-shuddering realisation that you know what a credenza is. This, I have to say, is a normal process, and it is in no way involves being beaten down by the quotidian demands of life into a state of sexual torpor and despair. I mean, it doesn't help that by the time you've had sex with your partner for more than a thousand times, you've probably exhausted most of the classic human combinations and you've had to move into some pretty weird areas in order to keep your flagging desires fed. Marital aids of the kind usually featured in crime scenes start making an appearance and before you know it, you're struggling to look at each other in the eye out of a shared sense of shame and a, a mutual repulsion at the hideous depths you're willing to go to just in order to get an orgasm in the same room as another human being. Frankly, by five to six years into a relationship, the only way you're going to be able to get back to anything resembling a healthy sex life is if one of you spontaneously develops a new orifice. Now, you say that you want to have more sex, but I have a, a different theory. If you really cared about having sex with each other that much, you'd have already made the effort to find a solution yourself. What you're actually looking for is a way of not having sex that doesn't impinge on your sense of self-worth. You want to have permission to spend your mornings drinking coffee until you feel alive, and your evenings staring hollow-eyed at social media trying to, con trying to concoct a version of your life that looks like fun from the outside. Good news, I'm here to give you that permission. As someone kept standing by a range of esoteric drugs, it should come as no surprise that my solution is better living through chemistry. I think of drugs as being like a magic trick that always works. In this case, what I'm going to suggest you do is get addicted to opioids. Opioids are generally very effective at suppressing libido, and as a bonus side effect, I understand they're also tremendously enjoyable. I mean, people may whine and wring their hands and talk about an op opioid epidemic, but I've always been a glass-half-full sort of person, and I prefer to think of it as a happiness epidemic. Regardless, taking fistfuls of morphine derivatives won't just make your sexy scheduling problems a thing of the past. It's going to give you and your partner something new to talk about. A shared interest. It's like you've both developed the same hobby. You won't feel as though society is judging you for the amount of sex that you aren't having because you're going to be too busy wondering where your next hit is coming from. And just think of all the fun you'll have finding out together. Oh. Yeah, heartwarming stuff. I, I think that is very sweet. Yes. Well, that concludes our foray into graphs and libidinal vexation. And remember, tender listener, that the area under the curve is a thick, soupy steam, seam of pure advice. And if you would like us to mine that seam on your behalf, you can write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or visit us at 
hauntedphonograph.com also.